0: From conspiracy to reality, the roots of a totalitarian government are spreading. Here's what world leaders have planned for you. In order to see the future, we must first look at the past. In March 2020, at the onset of a pandemic that shut down the entire world, we wrote a letter that gave clarity on many things happening around the world today. One could argue, in hindsight, we were predicting the future. As absurd as that may sound, The reality wasn't that we were predicting the future, but simply showing you the seeds being planted to shape your future. In this letter, we'll reveal how these seeds are now sprouting. But first, here's an important excerpt from that letter titled, The Conspiracies Behind COVID-19 and How It Will Change Your Financial Future. Over the past decade, I have told you about the world's move toward a cashless society. What does this have to do with the current pandemic? Well, via Associated Press. A growing number of businesses and individuals worldwide have stopped using banknotes in fear that physical currency, handled by tens of thousands of people over their useful life, could be a vector for the spreading of coronaviruses. In fact, since the spread of COVID-19, I'm sure many of you have tried using cash only to be turned down. Of course, the move toward a cashless society is inevitable, and pandemics such as the one caused by COVID-19 disease undoubtedly enforce that future. But that's not all. There's a swelling fear that in order to survive this pandemic, we must all be vaccinated, even if the numbers show that the majority of those who catch COVID-19 show little to no symptoms at all. As the World Economic Forum noted, as many as 6 in 10 people infected with the coronavirus may be unaware that they have the disease, according to a number of papers studying the outbreak. Furthermore, one could easily suggest that the case fatality rate is drastically lower than what the media has made it out to be. Why? Well, if most people show little to no symptoms and others display very moderate cold-like symptoms, they aren't tested. In fact, here in BC Canada, we have friends who have been sick with many of the symptoms of COVID-19 who wanted to be tested but were turned away because they were mostly healthy individuals. In other words, most of the COVID-19 tests are only or were only performed on those who are very ill, which will undoubtedly cause a spike in the case fatality rate. That doesn't seem very logical, does it? So where am I going with this? I bet that in less than 10 years, the world will begin to announce a move to a digital ID system, whereby all of an individual's information, including bank accounts and vaccination history, will be implemented into a microchip. Of course, it's very difficult for that to happen, if we all feel safe, but what if we don't? As outbreaks continue to threaten the world, people will begin begging to be vaccinated and they may have to be part of an ID program to get it. Furthermore, nations around the world will demand a quick and easy system to know if an individual has been vaccinated in order for them to travel between countries. If you think I'm crazy, think again. This type of system is already being tested. Just ask the ID2020 Alliance. What is the ID2020 Alliance? ID2020 is building a new global model for the design, funding, and implementation of digital ID solutions and technologies. And the people behind it, take a look. Aside from the obvious players and names that keep coming up, you know, Bill Gates, Microsoft, Rockefellers, UN, Gavi, there's something much more interesting. According to ID2020, it was created in 2018 in partnership with the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees, the UNHCR. Today, in 2020, we have the COVID-19 pandemic. COVID-19 stands for Coronavirus Disease 2019. The CO stands for Corona, the VI stands for Virus, and D stands for Disease, according to the CDC. And the number 19 stands for the year, 2019, in which the outbreak occurred. What does ID2020 stand for? Does ID stand for Identification? Probably. Does 2020 stand for the year 2020? I don't know. Do you? But I bet that in 2020, other nations will begin to follow Bangladesh and begin rolling out test programs for digital ID implants. In other words, the global COVID-19 pandemic and its upcoming vaccines could be the springboard for a global digital biometric ID system. Here's an excerpt from PYMTS. Gavi, the Global Vaccine Alliance, for its part, said at the time of the ID2020 launch that 89% of children and adolescents who do not have identification live where that organization is active, indicating that public health may be the springboard to giving people at birth the records they need later in life to participate fully in the global economy. Perhaps the COVID-19 pandemic, Event 201, see a past newsletter here, and ID2020 are just coincidences, but they aren't the only ones. You see, Chinese officials first announced the discovery of a novel coronavirus named 2019-NCOV on January 7th, 2020. Then, on January 11th, China announced its first death as a result of the virus. On January 17th, a second death was reported in Wuhan. By January 20th, a third death was reported along with 200 infected. On January 23rd, at the Davos World Economic Forum, a Corona vaccine program was announced with many partners already involved. Wow, these guys act fast. Now, I'm not a pandemic expert. However, three deaths as a result of a virus generally doesn't scream pandemic and certainly doesn't scream for an immediate global coronavirus vaccination program with partners already in place. In fact, If you take a look at all of the outbreaks the WHO, the WHO, deals with on a yearly basis, you'll actually be shocked. There were 119 alone in 2019, including Ebola. Just take a look for yourself. But after only three deaths, a global vaccination program is announced to tackle the virus? Maybe these experts work quick. What do you think? That was the long excerpt from the conspiracies behind COVID-19 and how it would change your financial future. We wrote that in March 2020. So where are we today? Earlier this month, the United Nations Development Program officially launched a new initiative called 50 in 5, short for 50 Countries in 5 Years. What is 50 in 5? Here's an excerpt via the United Nations. Global leaders and high-level representatives from 11 first-mover countries gathered yesterday for the official launch of the 50 in 5 campaign. This ambitious country-led campaign heralds a new chapter in the global momentum around digital public infrastructure, otherwise known as DPI, an underlying network of components such as digital payments, ID, and exchange data systems, which is critical accelerator of the sustainable development goals. 50 and 5 brings countries together to help radically shorten DPI implementation journeys by sharing learnings, best practices, and built-for-purpose open technologies, including digital public goods, that can reduce costs and maximize impact for all. The goal of the campaign is for 50 countries to have designed, implemented, and scaled at least one TPI component in a safe, inclusive, and interoperable manner in five years by the end of 2028. 50 and 5 underscores the unified commitment of participant countries to work together implement safe and inclusive dpi the concepts of digital identity and digital payment systems are fairly straightforward and we have written about them many times before as far as data exchange systems go imagine a scenario where national governments will exchange citizens identity and financial records across borders either with other nations or with global government agencies this could be in the form of say vaccine records for example the key term here is Interoperable. You see, it's near impossible to have a one-world government, often called New World Order, despite what many alarmists may have you believe. However, if you can comprise numerous ostensibly separate systems, all meticulously designed to be fully interoperable, then you don't need to have a one-world government policy to implement global policy. You just need something that consists of a single unified healthcare system, identity database, and or digital currencies all of which are in the works. How is this even possible? Well, it should come as no surprise that many of the same players involved in ID2020 are involved in 50 and 5. Here's another excerpt from 50 and 5. This country-led campaign is in collaboration with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Center for Digital Public Infrastructure, co-develop which is funded by the Rockefeller Foundation, the Digital Public Goods Alliance, and the United Nations Development Program, and is supported by GovStack, the Inter-American Development Bank, and UNICEF. Could all of this just be a coincidence? And can the influence of such organizations be so powerful to affect government at all levels? Well, just one day before 50 and 5 officially launched, the council presidency and European Parliament representatives reached a provisional agreement on a new framework for a European Digital Identity, EID. Here's an excerpt from the Council of the EU and the European Council. Under the new law, member states will offer citizens and businesses digital wallets that will be able to link their national digital identities with proof of other personal attributes, such as driving license, diplomas, bank accounts. Citizens will be able to prove their identity and share electronic documents from their digital wallets with a click of a button on their mobile phone. The new European digital identity wallets will enable all Europeans to access online services with their national digital identification, which will be recognized throughout Europe without having to use private identification methods or unnecessarily sharing personal data. User control ensures that only information that needs to be shared will be shared. This follows a recent announcement that the European Central Bank is advancing to the next stage of its digital euro initiative this month. And as revealed earlier this year in April, Christine Lagarde, former IMF head, stated the digital euro is expected to provide a degree of restricted oversight into individual spending habits. Here's an excerpt via the European Central Bank. We are working with the national central banks of the euro area, to look in the possible issuance of a digital euro. It will be a central bank digital currency, CBDC, an electronic equivalent to cash, and it would complement banknotes and coins, giving people an additional choice about how to pay. The preparation phase, which starts in November 2023, will focus on further preparing for the development of a digital euro. It builds on the findings from our investigation stage. Now, if you think it's just Europe, think again. This is happening in Canada now. Just this past Friday on November 24th, 2023, Canada announced the launch of a digital partnership with the European Union to promote, get this, the interoperable use of digital credentials, counter disinformation, and cooperate on artificial intelligence. Well, there's that word again, interoperable. Here's an excerpt from Canada's Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau's office. The Prime Minister announced the launch of the Canada-EU Digital Partnership, enabling Canada and the EU to work together to address new challenges in digital transformation. Canada will continue to increase collaboration under Horizon Europe, the world's largest research and Innovation Program and the new Canada-EU Passenger Name Record Data Agreement will allow for pre-arrival risk assessments of travellers when uploading privacy protections. Here's an excerpt from this partnership structure via the Government of Canada. Based notably on the recommendations from the workshops for advancing interoperability and mutual support for digital identity and digital credentials across Canada and the EU, the following actions could be carried out. one. Develop joint use cases and pilot projects towards interoperability of digital identities and digital credentials and trust services, building notably on Canada and the EU's respective frameworks. Two, create shared knowledge repositories for digital identity and digital credentials and trust services technologies. Three, cooperate on the development of human-centric digital identity and digital credentials and trust services standards and certifications. Four, Build adoption, awareness, and support through concrete digital identity and digital credentials and trust services demonstrations. If you've been following the planting of these seeds, you'll notice that Canada is now actively engaged in at least three digital credential initiatives, with two of them being spearheaded by the World Economic Forum. For example, Canada is an active participant in the Agile Nations framework, which includes a digital identification component, And let's not forget that Canada has already concluded its collaboration of the known Traveller Digital Identity project alongside the Netherlands. The seeds have been planted. The roots are now growing. Should we worry? Well, one could argue that it would be great to never have to carry a wallet again. I misplace mine all the time. However, that small inconvenience may be an insanely worthwhile price to pay if everything goes digital. Handing complete control over to the government or whoever is controlling the governments. One look at the COVID pandemic, and you'll see what I mean. Remember when COVID-19 vaccine passports were introduced, restricting travel rights, despite no proof that they prevented transmission? The new digital wallets, combined with both your bank accounts and IDs, will push us even further in the direction of control and limitation. Having all documents consolidated in one place makes them vulnerable to being seized with a single click. Don't think this could happen? Well, it already has. Remember when Trudeau's administration froze the bank accounts for those who protested the COVID vaccine and subsequently even revoked insurance rights for drivers involved in the protest blockade in Ottawa? Imagine what governments can do if everything was consolidated digitally and interoperably. Countries would lose autonomy and the powers that be would maintain full control. Just ask the World Health Organization as it attempts to take control of the world's healthcare system via an international pandemic treaty. Imagine a global lockdown forced onto every country. Imagine a globally implemented vaccine program. Imagine losing access to your entire identity or net worth because you don't comply. This will be the future if you continue to vote for governments in favor of such actions. Now, let's go back one more time to our past letter the conspiracies behind COVID-19 and how it would change your financial future. There's no doubt that U.S. President Donald Trump was attempting to lay blame on China for spreading the coronavirus globally. He is, after all, in an economic trade war with China. China, of course, is going to use its resources to push propaganda that it may have been the United States that caused this outbreak. It is, after all, in an economic trade war with the U.S., No matter what your opinion is, we'll never truly know the real answer. Some might even say that the virus was man-made, even though one research says it can't possibly be. It would, however, appear that the U.S. or China is to blame. But that's where we need to take a step back and focus on the bigger picture. You see, neither the U.S. nor China benefit from the coronavirus. Both economies have been hit extremely hard, and both are now resorting to extreme measures to protect not just their economies, but every one of their citizens. When looking for answers, the simplest solution is to look from the top down. Who really benefits from the coronavirus? Not the US, not China, not any country actually, but the players involved in a global vaccination program and a cashless society certainly do as do the banks who lend money to the most powerful nations in times of massive stimulus. Think of the people involved in the creation of global vaccines and ID implants. They'll have access and control over every individual's vaccination records and finances. And then think of the Federal Reserve, who will be lending trillions of dollars to the U.S. When you look at it that way, is China or the U.S. really in control Given the massive stimulus measures now underway, I have no doubt that gold and other hard assets will skyrocket in value in the coming years. Furthermore, when money goes fully digital via biometric implants, hard assets such as precious metals will become the only real form of off-the-record wealth. There's a reason why central banks around the world have mostly been net buyers of gold over the past decade. In fact, 2018 marked the highest level of annual net central bank gold purchases since the suspension of dollar convertibility into gold in 1971 and the second highest annual total on record. That didn't stop last year. According to the World Gold Council, central banks were net buyers for a 10th consecutive year with global reserves growing by 650.3 tons, the second highest annual total for 50 years. And if you think gold isn't a safe investment, consider this. Gold is one of the few assets that is universally permitted by the investment guidelines of the world's central banks. It also has provided an average annual return of nearly 10% in U.S. dollars since 1971. Not bad, given the world is at near zero interest rates. Gold, big pharma, payment processors, think Ant Financial among others, and bioimplant technologies should be on everyone's list of investment ideas moving forward. I always lend my letter by saying, seek the truth. Today, more than ever, I want you to do just that. While that was written more than three years ago, the same rings true today. Don't be so naive into thinking the worst can't happen simply because someone calls it a conspiracy theory. If we don't collectively wake up together, we will be living in a dream dictated by a few individuals. Seek the truth and be prepared.